today about uh, several things, well, one particular topic, and just about halfway into this sermon, what I want to do is give you a little bit of vision for what's coming, some things that we're trying to kind of ramp up here at Coastal, some things that we're looking to do that will be different in this coming year, new opportunities, so we're going to get to that in a minute. But I want to begin by talking about... uh, this this next year and what it's going to take that's what today is this is going to be a here's what it's going to require if we're going to do everything that i believe god has for us in this coming year this is the kind of person the kind of individual i'm going to need to be and you're going to need to be we have a condition in the church that i think is a really a concerning thing, and I don't think it's true at Coastal, but I want to tell you that uh, there are a lot of places around where here is the condition that we have. Bill Hall in a book called The Disciple-Making Pastor says it this way, the evangelical church today has become weak, flabby, and too dependent on artificial means that can only simulate real spiritual power. Churches are too little like training centers to shape up the saints and too much like cardiopulmonary wards at the local hospital. We have proliferated self-indulgent consumer religion, the what-can-the-church-do-for-me syndrome. We are too easily satisfied with conventional success, bodies, bucks, and buildings. Now, Pastor Sean said to you a couple of weeks ago, and I want to reiterate I want you to be praying uh, for our elders and our, our senior leadership and our pastoral staff because they are in the process of trying to discern what is the next best step for Coastal Gloucester in terms of a permanent home. Could that be this year? I want you to pray about that. I want you to pray fervently about that. Uh, it, it's, we, we need to figure out what's going to happen next, right? I'm, I'm very excited about the possibilities, but we need God's direction in that. So I want to ask you to pray about it. So I am not opposed. We count people here, right? We know how many people come here every Sunday. We want to be able to be sure we can accommodate everybody that's here. We want to know who's here. We want to try and know who's missing so that we can minister to people. It's, it is not that numbers are unimportant, but large numbers are attracted to lots of things. Just because because you have large numbers doesn't mean it's the blessing of God, right? I mean, large numbers of people come to lynchings and riots. Uh, when some of our members here were in Puerto Rico, there were 500,000 people that assembled in, in Puerto Rico for a demonstration against the government. So lots of, lots of people, lots of numbers can come to things that aren't necessarily an indication of the blessing of God. However, it is not that we don't want more people to come. You look at the early church, right? And it, it grew thousands very quickly. And we're going to talk briefly about some of those things. The problem is we stop with counting numbers too often. The church of Jesus in, in America in particular has gotten very satisfied with, oh, we have lots of people coming. What we need to do further is not just consider how many attend, but how many are engaged. How many are actively penetrating the culture in which they live and how effective are they and how are we enabling and uh, preparing people to do that so the problem is not just a crisis of viewpoint sorry i missed that first thing it's not just a crisis of viewpoint it's a crisis of focus 
It's a, it's a crisis that says, let's, let's find a way, we'll, we'll get people saved, and then we'll figure out a class to send them to to make disciples out of them. And the Bible's answer to that is, we make disciples by living together, by building life on life. We make disciples, and disciples are always evangelistic. They are always leading, looking for opportunities to lead people to Christ. Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Jesus said, I have all authority, and therefore I'm telling you to go. We talked about that just last Sunday, right? It was, it's so important that we understand that our, as we go, we are to make disciples. As we move into this new series next week, we're going to spend some time next Sunday talking about our process. What is it that we have identified as the things that we utilize most effectively to do that task of making disciples? But today I want to back up just a step and I want to talk about the cure for this condition. I want to talk about what it will take to overcome the we're just happy if we have more people here. I want more people here. I hope the second service is as full as this. I hope you all come back for lunch. I hope we have a packed house today. I'm really excited. I see faces I don't recognize. I'm always glad for that. But what I want is something deeper for you. What I want is something deeper for me. So I want to make disciples. So here is a definition of a disciple, according to this same gentleman, the disciple-making pastor, Bill Hull. A disciple, number one, is willing to deny themselves and follow Jesus. Luke chapter 9 talks about this prospect of being willing to deny himself. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses it for my sake will save it. A disciple is willing to deny himself. That is almost un-American, right? We, we, don't, we don't live in a culture that says your goal should be to deny yourself. We live in a culture that says you need to make sure you take care of you because nobody else sure is going to. Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you need to deny yourself. Secondly, a disciple puts Christ first before themselves, before their family, before their possessions. I'm going to come back around to that a little later and look at Luke chapter 14. Puts Christ first. Thirdly, a, a disciple is committed to Christ's teachings. John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ if you're not committed to the word of God. That's why, that is one of the reasons that Coastal is so consistently committed to opening the word of God in our worship services, to using our, our sermons and the word of God as the basis for our small groups in the spring and the fall in particular, so we can study, understand the scriptures, and figure out how they make a difference in our lives. A disciple is committed to Christ's teachings. Fourthly, a disciple is committed to world evangelism. This passage of scripture in Matthew 9 is really powerful to me. Jesus, it talks about Jesus and said when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So he said to his disciples, the harvest is plenteous, 
but the laborers are few. A disciple is committed to evangelism. I don't want you to misinterpret that and say a disciple shows up every Tuesday night and goes out and knocks on doors in the neighborhood. I mean a disciple is committed to evangelism. They look at their friends, they look at their family, they look at their co-workers, and they're prayerfully contemplating, how can I reach these people with this incredible message of the gospel that has so transformed my life? That's what a disciple does. And fifth, a disciple abides in Christ. So he is therefore obedient, he bears fruit, he glorifies God, and he has joy. That's the definition of a disciple. Here's the pattern. Here's the pattern I like to follow and and our general goal here at Coastal in Gloucester. Here's what we're trying to accomplish. There are varying groups of people that we're trying to focus on and move people through a series of concentric circles, the first of which is the community. This verse that we just read in Matthew chapter 9 it's in this context. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Okay, so he is looking at the, the larger picture of all of these cities and towns. We are here because we're a half hour closer than our campus in Yorktown to everybody up here on the Middle Peninsula. That's why Coastal planted this campus, because it can be a staging area for us to reach the Middle Peninsula with the gospel. That's our community. Then we have, that was really great timing, that little ding, by the way. (laughs) Secondly, we're trying to move people from that community to the crowd. The crowd is the people that show up right? The crowd is the ones that come. Easter Sunday, we had almost 260 people here. Most of those would say, yeah, I go to Coastal and Gloucester, or I'm somehow connected to that, to that church family. We, we want to, I would love for it to be like the early church, right? They, these, this sound of what God was doing in the early church, according to Acts chapter 2, happened, and the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, Now, this was an unusual event, happened early in the days of the early church, where God made it possible for people who were there to speak in the language of the people who had assembled so they could hear the gospel. And they were astonished by that. And so so Paul's preacher, Peter's preaching away, and with many other words, verse 40 says, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added to that day about 3,000 souls. So I'm not opposed to numbers. I would love to see 3,000 people show up here next Sunday. That'd be really cool. I'd have no idea what we do. (laughs) We'd do the same thing we're going to do if it does rain at 1230 today. We'd wing it. We want people to move from our community to the crowd, to the people who come, to the people who show some interest, to the people who are part of this church family. Not because all of the main ministry happens here at church on Sunday, but because we believe corporate worship is important, and it's where people are going to first get connected. Thirdly, we want to move people from that crowd to the congregation. That's those of you who are normally here. 
That's those of you who are part of what's going on. That's those of you who, like in Acts 2.44, those who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they ate their food with glad and generous hearts. I want our congregation, I want our people who are here who are part of this church family. This is, these are the people who are saying, I'm, Coastal really is my home. I don't just show up on a Sunday now and then. But this is my home. This is where I belong. This is my family. But we want people to move further than that. I want people to move toward commitment. I want people to, to commit and say, listen, I'm willing to to submit myself to become a member of this church, to come under the leadership of this church, to become accountable to my brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to I commit to being part of a ministry. I want to serve Christ. I don't just want to be here on Sundays and hear some preaching and hear some great music and go home with my notes on my new app. I, wanna, I want to be part of what God is doing. We don't have all of these, these ministries we do. We don't have first impressions and all these other things just so we can keep people busy on Sunday. There is a reason and a purpose behind all of this stuff that helps to bring people from our community in an increasingly close connection to what God is doing at Coastal. And then we have the core. I would love for the core of Coastal Community Church to be huge. These, these are the people who are really sacrificially leading ministries that God is doing here. That's the direction. That's what I want to go from the community to the crowd, to the congregation, to the committed, to the core. You know where you are in that, right? I don't, that's not something we have to have a conversation about. You probably know where you fit there. I would love to see people moving to the next step closer to the center of what God is in the midst of doing. I want to take a couple of minutes now and talk about what, what we're looking forward to. God's done good stuff. I was thinking the other day, we came here to Gloucester. We began holding worship services on uh, Sunday mornings, actually back in February of 2018. And then we took a little bit of a break around Easter time. We were all back at Yorktown. And by the spring and summer, we were kind of getting our feet under us, making things happen, setting up our teams. And we kicked off officially the second Sunday of September last year. We came with about 100 people, give or take, that had been at Yorktown. That's that's quite a crowd of people that were committed enough to drive all the way to the other side. And, and they were, you guys, you, you hundred or so, were the only ones that Coastal moved further from when we went to our Yorktown building, our new campus down there three years ago. And the leadership knew that, and they knew that this had to be the first place we go when we start planting a campus. And so we did, and we came with about 100 people. I expect today to see about 180 people here. In a year's time, I'm thrilled to death that God has done that. Uh, God has brought people to us. Some of them are people who've come and have trusted in Jesus and placed their faith in him. Others of you have come and have really made some life-altering commitments in your walk with Jesus, and you're, you're here and you're growing, and I, I just am so happy for what God is doing what he has done. So here's what we're working on now. 
There are a couple of things that I actually mentioned last week that are new opportunities or revamped opportunities for you. One is a hospitality team. Uh, I am so not creative when it comes to things looking nice. We had uh, We Are Coastal here last night, and Nate and I joked with the folks that were here, you'd have had white tables and pizza if it was up to us, because that's just, because we're lame. And um, so I have asked Julie Owsley, who, now listen, if I'd told you this before, some of you would have come to We Are Coastal again, I think, but we had last night homemade lasagna, salad, garlic bread. I mean, it was amazing. The tables had tablecloths on them. There were flowers in the middle for crying out loud. It was amazing. And Julie has consented to take on leadership of our hospitality team. If you're good at that stuff, talk to Julie Owsley, okay? You'll see her running around because she actually agreed to this like a week and a half ago. And I said, by the way, I got this thing coming up on the 15th. <laughs> and so she's kind of in charge of making sure everything except for the food needs is done right this afternoon. So that's going to be a great opportunity. We have occasions throughout the year when we want to be hospitable to people. And uh, it's really important. We want people to feel welcomed, right? When you invite someone into your home, you go the extra mile to make them feel welcome, right? Well, we're inviting them into our home here, and I want them to feel that way. We are, uh, have, uh, our, our Yorktown campus has a whole creative team that uh, makes the, the front and the decorations and the, the uh, visual appearance of the church look really good. And uh, they have asked my wife, Jody to take on that responsibility here, and she'll be interfacing with them, but she will need people to help her here as uh, we get to the various seasonal things that we do and want to decorate the building. It's, it's useful, right? You come in at Christmas, you want it to look like Christmas. Yeah. And uh, so... so if you want to talk to her, talk to her. She will be happy to have your assistance in that. I want to revitalize our prayer team. We've got several people here who, who worked with us at that, and they, they had a regular weekly thing. Man, prayer is the, it's the uh, foundation of so much of what we do. And uh, Dave and Mary Jo Newton, and Julie's another one. She's involved in that prayer team. Those guys have been really faithful to pray with Coastal and, and uh, help me when we've had prayer meetings and, and on occasions. And I really want to see us develop a time when our people are coming regularly to pray. If you're interested in that, just let me know. Put it on your, put it on your app. Put in, send in a note or send in your Connect card and say, I'm interested in the prayer team. I'd really like to see us get that back in gear. Our staff prays for all the prayer requests that come in on the, the uh, Connect cards. All of that stuff is really important and gets prayed for, but I'd like to have more of our people involved in that, all right? It would be a really, really uh, helpful thing. Um, I've already said to you, I want you to pray, and I want you to pray fervently about the possibility of a permanent home in Gloucester for Coastal Community Church. This is a rented space. It's a rented space that's too small, and we've had to make it work, and God has blessed us, and I'm very grateful for everybody that has done that. But uh, I want you to pray, because that's, that's all that's left to do right now, right? It's, it's pray. We're talking about it. We're trying to discern what God wants for us when the, when the time is right, and, and all of that is, is figured out, and we're convinced it's time to move ahead. We will let every campus know all at the same time. But for right now, I'm asking you to pray about the possibilities of 
a permanent home. Somebody was here at We Are Coastal last night and said, I had to find the Toyota dealer, right? That's how people find us, because we're across the street from the Toyota dealer. So if you like, like Fords, you're in trouble, uh, which maybe for more reason than one, but regardless, <laughs> sorry. Um, I, I want people to know where Coastal is here. Right? So let's, let's be prayerful about that. And then a brand new thing that we're just starting. I'm super excited about this. So years ago, when we were back at our Grafton building, one of the small groups came to Pastor Sean and said, we've got a real heart for food ministry, and we really, we really want to take this on. And he said, man, there is so much that could be involved in that. And he, they just finally, their small group took it on. And that ministry has grown to the point that now every month Coastal in Yorktown has a, a food distribution and they distribute a week's worth of groceries to about a thousand people every month. It's an incredible ministry, great opportunities for uh, people to be reached for the gospel by meeting their very practical needs. We have uh, English English speakers of other languages, ESOL, I forget exactly what that stands for, but it used to be ESL. Regardless, we teach people who have a primary language that's other than English, we have people come. I'm, I'm told that last Thursday night at the initial outset of our ESOL for this fall, there were 160 people there. That's incredible to me. That's meeting at our Deer Park campus. I've been really prayerful for a long time, for most of the time we've been up here, that we could find a ministry that is local missions for our campus. And we have identified what it is, and it's going to be called a foster care ministry. We've discovered in the process of time that there are dozens and dozens of children in the foster care system in Gloucester and Matthews counties. There are dozens of families that are participating in that kind of system, both children who are simply in foster care, and in some cases, grandparents who have been assigned the responsibility of caring for their grandchildren. This is an incredibly difficult task. And we have determined prayerfully that that's going to be our first local missions opportunity. Kenny and Stephanie Plord, who are sitting over here in the back, just wave your hands anyway so they see who you are. Um, they are foster parents. They know the system. They know the needs and the uh, difficulties that can be associated with this. And they, they are passionate about heading this ministry up. And I want you to talk with them. They will fill you in on the details. Kenny made me promise not to make him talk in front of this whole crowd because you all are a little scary. I got to be honest. But anyway, um, there are going to be some great opportunities in this thing. I am super excited. I expect there's going to come a day when this is going to grow larger than we can handle and we're going to be looking for help. But I'm really okay with that because we're going to be having resources, material, physical resources available for people. We're going to do our best to have some financial resources available. We're uh, going to uh, provide perhaps some respite care. There are a variety of ways you can get involved. Some of them will, will be very simple. Some of them will require some training and some uh, further preparation. It's going to be a really awesome ministry, and I think we're going to be able to reach. And really, honestly, foster care and adoption, if you're a child of God by faith in Christ, you're adopted, right? Isn't that, isn't that a biblical truth? We, we have been made children of someone whom we were in our natural state, not part of his family. So 
This is such an amazing thing. So I am super excited. I hope, I hope everybody will talk to them and say, what can I do, okay? But man, if you can, if you can get a heartbeat for this thing, I, this is going to be one of these ministries that I think is just going to organically grow and become a really powerful tool for ministry in our community. We are, have already had some uh, contacts with people in the school system, and we have individuals in our church family who already work in the social services system in these counties. We've got connections that I am really excited about the opportunities this is going to give to us. So that's all, that's all coming this year, okay? It's going to be excited, and it's going to require some incredible commitment. I have left myself two minutes to do maybe the most important part of my message. So can you please hang with me, okay? I want you to open your Bible to Luke chapter 14. And uh, I've been quoting scripture, but I really love having you open your Bible and look at it too. So here we go. I want to talk about the call of discipleship. We've got a condition. We know the cure. Here's the call. Here's what will be necessary if we're going to be the kind of disciples that is going to, is, are going to be required to see this place really do all that I believe God has in store. Here's the seriousness of it. Luke 14, verse 26, verse 25. Great crowds accompanied him, and he turned to them and said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, and wife, and children, and brothers, and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. That's an incredibly provocative statement, right? Jesus, of course, is not teaching us we should hate our immediate family. But he is saying that our commitment to the things of Christ ought to be so intense that it almost seems by comparison I love Jesus and I love the things of God so much that my wife takes second place. That's, I'm telling you, that's some commitment because nobody takes the place of my wife. We have a commitment and a connection that is deeper than any other connection I have with anyone else in the world. And my commitment to Christ is to be greater than my commitment to Jesus. That's the seriousness of this. That's the cost of discipleship. Because being a disciple requires that I recognize this is going to involve a cross. Verse 27. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Boy, I wish I had time to really expand on that. Let me tell you what your cross is not. It's not the fact that you don't have good hair. It's not, it's not the fact that you don't have a good job. Your cross is not something you're frustrated with, and we, we throw out the phrase, oh, well, that's just my cross to bear. Your cross means you die to you. Diedrich Bonhoeffer years ago wrote a great book called Discipleship, and he says this, when God calls a man, he bids him come and die. That's the seriousness of discipleship. Discipleship is not something I do because, man, that would be really nice. I'd love to be a disciple. Let's just all be fun. Discipleship is I die to myself, and I love Christ with every fiber of my being. That's how serious this is. And then he describes the significance of it by giving two comparisons, beginning in verse 28. 
Otherwise, or rather verse 28, which, which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or put it in your own context. You're going to go build a house. You need to figure out how much you can afford on this house, or you're going to be sitting under a box somewhere eventually, right? I mean, it, we have to count the cost, and the cost is significant, or verse 31, what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other's yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. The builder, the warrior, those are apt illustrations of what it means to be a disciple. There is a significance to this that is far greater than perhaps most of us have been willing to realize. So the significance of it comes with the terms, and it's actually rather simple. Verse 33, so therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. It will cost you everything. Not it might, it will cost you everything. Nothing of what you have is yours anymore. Not your time, not your money, not your home. Nothing of what you have is yours if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I am convinced that if we had a church full of people like that, the core and the committed and the congregate right and out we move in those circles if if we increasingly had people that were that kind of individual people who had uh, a heart for god who were thinking like a builder counting the cost knowing what it was going to take to do this who were thinking like the warrior who who said i've got a smaller force than he's got what are we going to do here of course we have the advantage of having being on the side of Jesus. So uh, there's no question about who wins. He's already won. We're just working out the details now, right? It will cost you everything. I want to read this reading for you, and I'm going to finish with this. Uh, if you want it, I don't think it got handed out with your bulletin, but there are copies of it available on the welcome desk. I love this thing. I have... I have read it over the years several times, and it is such an incredible challenge to me. So let me just finish with this, and then, then I'm going to pray, and the worship team's going to come back, and we're going to sing a song and head out. And uh, after, after our second service, we'll see you back here. But let me read this. This is, uh, this is discipleship. I am a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus. I will not look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed, my present directed, my future secure. I'm finished, with, finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, tamed vision, mundane talking, mediocre giving, and dwarfed goals. 
I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotion, or popularity. I don't have to be first, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on his presence, love by practice, lift by prayer, and labor in his power. My pace is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven. The road is narrow, the way is rough, my companions few, my guide reliable, my mission clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or wander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, back up, or let up, or shut up until I have preached up, prayed up, paid up, stood up, and stayed up for the cause of Jesus Christ. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I must go till he comes, give till it hurts, preach till I drop, tell till all know, and work till he stops me. And when he comes to get his own, he'll have no problem recognizing me. My colors will be clear. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I hope that's true of you. Father, I am really excited about what you have in store for Gloucester this year. I'm really excited about the prospects that are before us. You have given us a, a wonderful first year of ministry together. You have, you have uh, challenged us. You have stretched us. You have brought new people to us. We have seen people come to faith in Christ. We have seen others growing in significant ways in their walk with Christ. Lives are being transformed, which is what we've been here to do. We believe your name has been glorified. That has been our goal. And I pray that as we face now our next year, as we undertake new ministries, as we uh, prayerfully contemplate what to do about uh, having room for our various ministries, as we uh, look at even the details of the way our things look to be attractive when our guests come. Father, we want all of this to be done in a way that will bring glory to your name. I thank you, Father, for people in this room who could preach this message better than I could because they've lived it. I thank you for their faithfulness and for their commitment to what you're doing here. And Lord, I offer myself to you, and I pray that my brothers and sisters will do the same, that we will leave this place spurred on in our desire to be disciples of Jesus, that we will recognize that it has cost us everything, that everything we are and have is yours, and it is there to be used at your disposal. And I pray that you would do things above and beyond what we could ever ask or think in the year to come so that your name will be lifted up and glorified for I ask in Jesus' name.